I'm Emily. I'm Sarah. And welcome to Strange and Sinister, where we talk about true crime, psychology, conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all things spooky and weird. I feel like it's been so long since we've been here. (laughs) And we got cats on crack in the back, so. We do. (laughs) They're chasing each other around the apartment. House. We're not lived in an apartment. (laughs) I've not lived in a house in so long. Yeah, I've never lived in an apartment ever in my life. Well, I lived in a dorm room, which is like kind of like apartment adjacent, but that's like not really the same. It's the worst of the worst. Yeah, it's communal bathrooms. (sighs) (sighs) Not a fond memory. (laughs) No. But yeah, sorry. If there's some background noise, it's definitely our cats chasing each other and hissing and trying to beat each other up. But yeah, I feel like it's been forever since we actually recorded because we did our last couple episodes before I went on vacation. So that was like two weeks ago or something is the last time we recorded and maybe more than that. Maybe a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff and I went to Utah. It was really fun. We hiked and biked and swam and ate stuff and it was great. No, yeah, you posted a little on your story on Instagram. Yeah. Cool shots. You went to, where'd you go? We went to Zion. Yes, okay. Yeah, so we, like, got to see all the rocks. Uh, Yeah, a lot of rocks. Uh, uh, uh. I bet it was beautiful, though. Oh, my gosh, it was crazy. I've got so many cool pictures. I can't wait to see them. I also got my nails done, so I feel like I'm, I'm, like, an official ASMR artist now. Yes, Like, I feel like I could do anything. Again, I'm going to say, I think my true calling is ASMR. It could be. I don't know. That sounds incredible oh, I love it. to me. I love <laughs> ASMR. Like, I, like. Ooh. Right, right. <sighs> anyway, you know what? Send me, if you know me, send me a DM. On Instagram, tell me if I should make an ASMR, like, TikTok channel or something. Ooh, that's, yeah. I feel like it would bang on TikTok. I think people, like, really love ASMR on TikTok. Yes. So I feel like I should do a TikTok ASMR thing. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe my new business venture. I vote yes. Okay, maybe I just will. (laughs) I don't know if I can do the whispering thing well, though. You're doing it right now. Oh, you know that. Oh, yeah, they cover their mics like this. Oh, it sounds so good. <laughs> okay, anyway, I have, I feel like this one might be a little long. Um, I love long episodes only just because I love recording. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. But this one is just insane. It has a lot of twists and turns, and it has a lot of tea and a lot of drama, and it has a little bit of everything for everyone. A mysterious death, an attempted murder, a debated arrest, small town gossip, a mysterious letter writer that sent over a thousand letters to a tiny little town. Oh, and um, do I know that? You might. And I want to give a shout out to Crime Junkie. Not that they really need a shout out. I think they're all right. (laughs) I think they're okay. And an episode of 48 Hours that really helped me because they both sent reporters to this town to get the inside scoop. So that really helped. That's cool, though. Yeah, right? Like, 
come on, true crime podcasting. Like, right. Yeah, that really helped a lot because I was yes. like, I got to see the real tea. So buckle up. Today we're going to be talking about the Circleville letters. Do you know I anything? think I think I do unless I'm confusing it with another case. Oh. But the letters thing has me and I'm so I might be able to know it. Yeah, you might <laughs> as we discuss. So today we are going to be in Circleville, Ohio. In 1977, and yeah, I'm doing another Ohio case. Whatever. Come for me. I can't get away from it, apparently. (laughs) Whatever. Crime Junkie actually, well, listen. I did not know what to do for my case this week. Like, I I just didn't. I was struggling so hard. Literally, like, two days ago, you were stressing. So, the fact that this is a big case and you got it done, like, good for you. I did a lot. That's not easy. No, it's not. But it was just so interesting that I was like stuck to it. Like I was like, okay, I need to get this done. But the Crime Junkie podcast about this case was like posted on my birthday. And like, that's the only reason why I decided to do this case. Because I literally was like struggling so hard to figure out which case to do. And like, no, nothing like was jumping out at me and like nothing I really want to like commit to and like I was like okay maybe I'll do this case and like I saw that it was posted on my birthday okay so, so you didn't like, just okay. like look for your birthday no episode. no I didn't <laughs> okay I like looked up the episode I looked up if anyone did an episode like a podcast on Spotify about this case and I yeah. saw the first one that came up was Crime Junkie and I saw that the date was my birthday so I was oh, like oh meant to be guess I have to do it yes so Circleville Ohio is a city in Pickaway County Ohio and it's actually the county seat of Pickaway County and I had to I don't know what any of that meant <laughs> well yeah that's why I wrote I had to remind myself what a county seat was when I was yeah. researching because that made me feel kind of stupid that I didn't know I've what it was. I've never heard of that in my a county 30 seat? years of existence. Maybe we don't have those here. Do we have counties here? Mm, we do have counties but oh, I don't then know there has is. to be a county seat. Oh. It just means that the that's where like the local government is based in the uh, county seat. So the local okay. government is picked in like it's based in Circleville I guess. I feel like I'm saying like a lot in this episode already. So buckle up for that. <laughs> Circleville is along the Scioto River, and it's 25 miles south of Columbus. And it's a really cute small town, and it's most well-known for their annual Circleville Pumpkin Show, which is a festival held in Circleville every year that aims to celebrate local agriculture. And basically... They just weigh giant pumpkins and, like, give out awards, and everyone just has a good time. Oh, I love that. And that sounds so cute. Yes. That reminds me a lot of my small town that I grew up in in Ohio, and we have the the county fair, which is the largest county fair in Ohio in my city where I grew up, the Canfield Fair. Oh, my God. It's pumpkins, the largest. Though, they, grow they do, yeah. Like, weeds. huge. Pumpkins, like, one year, my mom has a garden, and it's a pretty small garden, but, I mean, she can fit a lot of vegetables in there. But one year, she decided to grow pumpkins in her garden, and it, like, left the garden and, like, took over our whole yard. And we have a huge ass yard. Yeah. They grow, like, crazy. I'm going to grow pumpkins. I yeah, love me too. pumpkins. Me too. I can't wait to, like, it's almost 
fall-ish. Yes. So I can't wait I'm to have pumpkins everywhere. I'm ready to decorate our apartment. Me too. We don't live in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I just call it that out of habit. I don't blame I know you. it's a house. Yeah, I can't wait to decorate for Halloween. It's going to be so cute. So Circleville today has a population of about 14,000 people. But in 1977, it only had a population of about 12,000 people. It felt like a everyone knows someone who knows someone kind of small town. Like everyone knows everyone's tea. And the crime rate in Circleville is pretty low. And it's definitely below the national average and the average for the entire state of Ohio. So nothing really crazy happened in Circleville ever. Because like, who's going to Circleville, Ohio? You know what I mean? Not I. Exactly. <laughs> if you're going to Ohio, you're going to Cincinnati, Columbus, or... But I kind of want to go to their their pumpkin fair. Right. Now I'd be kind of wanting to go so maybe to the I will go to Cir- Circleville <laughs> pumpkin show. It kind of sounds fun. Like you get to see all the giant pumpkins and eat a lot of food. You know what I mean? Yeah. So nothing really crazy ever happened in Circleville until Mary Gillespie received a strange letter in her mailbox. In March of 1977... Mary Gillespie was in her 30s and working as a school bus driver for the Westfall School District. She was married to Ron Gillespie, and they had two children, a son and a daughter, who both attended the Westfall School District. One day, Mary went to the mailbox and got the mail as usual, but this time, there was a strange handwritten letter within all the usual bills and junk mail. It was in an envelope postmarked Columbus and had no return address. The handwriting was very distinct and like different. It was very blocky and contained all capital letters and it was like kind of slanted to the right. And this was really weird because I think anyone would think this is weird and unexpected. So Mary ripped open the envelope and she read through the letter and what she read gave her absolute chills. The letter writer accused Mary of having an affair with the superintendent of the school district in which in which she worked. Okay, yes. Okay, I know this. I've <laughs> listened to somebody cover this case, and I don't know if it was Crime Junkie. I don't listen to them a lot, but it could have been Crime Junkie. They did but a I don't good know. job. Yeah, they did a good uh, job about it. But yeah, this this case is tea. It's tea. So the superintendent was Gordon Massey who was a married man with a son. So that was T, that she was being accused of having an affair with him. And the letter that Mary received read, it said, Mrs. Gillespie, stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about meeting him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified and everything will be over soon. Nah, I'd be pissing my pants if oh, I yeah. got this letter yes. in my fucking mailbox. I'd be like, I don't know what I did, but what did I do? No, for real. I'd be like, okay, how did? How do you know where I live? How do you know I have kids? Like, that is so creepy. Yes. And there's a bunch of, like, spelling and grammar issues, so it's extra creepy uh, that, like, you can't spell. Yeah. <laughs> so Mary decided to keep this letter a secret from her family. Because she didn't want anyone to worry. And she just never mentioned it. She didn't want her family to be scared or worried. The anxiety would eat me alive. Right. I don't know how she did that. But she ignored it. And she hoped that 
it would just go away. Whatever this was was just a prank. She also decided to keep the next several letters a secret from her family and her husband. So it wasn't like wrong house. It was no, and it was addressed to her. So yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the letter writer did not stop writing to Mary, even though she tried to ignore it. The letters just got even more personal knowing things about Mary that only someone somewhat close to her would know, like her school bus number and her school bus route. The next letter that Mary received stated threats to her daughter, saying, quote, It's your daughter's turn to pay for what you've done. I shall come out there and put a bullet in that little girl's head. What? Yeah. Like, that's twisted. Why is this? First of all, why is this any of your business? If she's cheating I mean, on her he's husband, he's taking it real personally. Yeah, here, right. Him or her. Right. If she's cheating on her husband, like, girl, that's not that's none of your business. Another letter. And then you're thinking like the writer has to have a connection somehow right? to the person she's cheating with. If she's cheating with right this person, because like, how would you even know that in the first place? I vaguely remember this case though, so I don't even know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Another letter that Mary received said, "Lady." This is your last chance to report him. I know you are a pig, and I will prove it and shame you out of Ohio. Ew. Oh, I, Lady and pig? Shame you out of Ohio is kind of funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm from Ohio, and I want to start saying that, like, to my friends. I have, like, moved out yeah. of Ohio. Like, yes. you've been shamed out of Ohio. Emily, you've been shamed <laughs> out of Ohio. I was shamed You're not out of well- Ohio. <laughs> A pig sneaks around and meets other women's husbands behind their backs only. Causes families, home, and marriages to suffer. You are a pig. You are such a pig and I will prove it. Why doesn't he come to your rescue? Or has he too much to lose? But he spelled lose like loose. So we got a genius on on the list. This feels like desperate housewives kind of No, it's giving pretty little liars. (laughs) Or that, yeah. (laughs) A wife in which pigs like you take advantage of. His $28,500 a year job or his kickbacks. How's your little girl? Will she grow up to be like you? Why are you bringing the kids into this too? That's just weird. That is weird. That's not okay. Mm. This letter though had a return address on the envelope. And it was the home address of Gordon Massey, the guy, the superintendent that that she was accused of cheating with. So obviously... The letter writer wanted people to know or wanted people to think for some reason that Gordon was writing these letters. Yeah. But actually, he was getting letters sent to him, too. Whoa. So the letters that were being sent to Gordon were pretty much... Where's this gossip girl? Yeah, it's all of them combined. (laughs) The letters that were being sent to Gordon were pretty much the same as the ones being sent to Mary telling him that he was a cheater, a womanizer, and that he has to expose himself or the letter writer will tell the Westfall school board. Because remember, he's the superintendent. But a letter was already being sent to the school board. It was already sent to the school board telling them that Mary Gillespie and Gordon Massey were having an affair. The president of the school board, James W. Dean, said that everyone on the school board thought this entire situation was bizarre and Dean said that Gordon denied the affair and said that he was definitely not the type of guy to do anything like that he was married he had a kid so Mary's married yes Mary is married with kids with kids 
And Gordon then is married. Gordon is married kids. with kids. Yes. And he's the superintendent and she's a bus, bus driver. Bus driver, yes. Oh, okay. So the school board were just kind of ignored it too. They were like, okay, Gordon doesn't seem like they kind of got to do this. Like this is just a weird thing to happen. Like yeah. we're just going to like forget about it. Like what are we supposed to do? I don't know. He says he didn't do it, so he didn't do it, I guess. Remember when I said Mary was trying to ignore those letters and keep them from her family? Yeah. Well, Ron himself got a letter from the letter writer, and he... Hold on. And Ron is Mary's husband? husband? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Ron Gillespie himself got a letter addressed to him from the letter writer, and he figured out pretty quickly what was going on. Oh, yeah. The first letter addressed to Ron told him that his wife was having an affair with the superintendent and that he needed to put a stop to it or else his life would be in danger. Can you imagine, though, just having to receive those words that your spouse is cheating on you? Dude, well, I'm thinking, like, if well, once I realized that my spouse has been hiding these letters from me... Then it makes it seem like it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would be so stressed out and anxious... Yes. Especially because there's threats. Like, she's kept the one to herself that said that they're going to put a bullet in their daughter's head. Go to, why aren't you going to the police? Someone threatened your child's life. Right? What are you doing? It makes it very suspicious. That does make it suspicious. The writer wrote to Ron Mr. Gillespie, your wife is seeing Gordon Massey. You should catch them together and kill them both. He doesn't deserve to live. Um,. Like, what? Is a female writing these letters? Right? I just feel like a male wouldn't say that. I don't know if a male would really care in the first place. Or you just go, you know, rough some people up. You go punch a face. Yeah, right? Like, just go to Gordon and He'd just confront. He'd be a ass. lot more confrontational. He wouldn't be, like, writing right? letters and being all mysterious. Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And be like, you should kill. You, Ron. I don't know if kill. that warrants killing no. people. Like, come no. on. I don't. It's not. Murder is never justified. <laughs> well. Well. <laughs> unless it's a self-defense. Yeah. Self-defense. That's different. Yes. But not because you suspect that but someone not... is having an affair. Yeah. Mary denied the affair to her husband and said that nothing was going on between her and Gordon Massey, and that she had been receiving letters as well. Ron and Mary could not figure out who was doing this, and so they both pretty much just tried to ignore it. Again. The next letter that Ron received read, Gillespie, you have had two weeks and done nothing. You are a pig. Make her admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBs, as in like CB radio, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. Only pigs ride motorcycles. Good hunting in your red and white truck on your way to work. I've followed him for weeks since last summer and have seen her meet with him several times. When is this set? This is in 1977. Okay, so that's like today somebody's saying, I'm going to put it all over TikTok and Facebook and yeah. Twitter. Yeah, it's the same. Except he's like, I'm going to put signs all around town. I'm going to shout it on the radio. Yeah, I'm going to put it on the CB radio. Yeah, so this guy 
knows what kind of truck that Ron drives. His True. rent and right truck. So they, they literally... Yeah, this person This person has been stalking. watching these people. Yeah. This is when Mary and Ron decide to report the letters to Pickaway County Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe. Wow, thank you. It's been a little bit too long. Yeah. The police tried to figure out who was writing the letters by wiretapping phones and watching houses and trying to intercept the letters, but the letters didn't stop. And more and more citizens and businesses of Circleville began receiving letters about this alleged affair. Like, businesses, newspapers, like, citizens. The people that lived in Circleville were getting letters about the about affair. About an affair, between, between two, random, two people random people that lived in Circleville. <laughs> like, sir, I don't know if it's that deep. It is to this person. Apparently so. It's their whole world, and they want to make it everybody else's. They like, want to make sure yeah. the school board knows, girl. <laughs> Even the school's vice principal began receiving letters. And one said... I shall send you proof about driver number 62917. She has a child in school there now. I shall prove this shortly. I expect him to be discharged. You will see that I am telling the truth. He knew her bus number. Her driver bus number. Obsessed. Like, why are you stalking this random lady? Why are you stalking these random people? Even if she was having an affair, I don't know if it's like that, that deep. Yeah, it's it doesn't warrant this. Right? That's what I think too. I don't know. So like, within- sure, write the letter to the significant others if you feel that way. But why are you bringing the whole city of Circleville right? into this? <laughs> He's literally bringing everyone into this. Like, girl, like the supermarket down the street does not care that Ron that are that Mary, Mary and Gordon are having an affair. Yeah. Like they do not care. Within a few short weeks, the letter writer graduated from writing letters to putting up signs around Circleville for all to see. Oh, my god! Just like he said he was going to. Not only did they mention the affair between Mary and Gordon, but this dude is, like, so fucking deranged. Mm-hmm. He also put signs around Circleville about their daughter, the Gillespie's daughter, oh, so saying fucked. that Gordon was having like a sexual relationship with their daughter like what the fuck that is so twisted of a thing to just throw around right like you can't say that shit why are you like accusing this guy of being like a literal sexual predator with no proof where's the proof at like if you have proof of that go to the police right don't just start putting signs up around circleville spread rumors like that that's so disgusting and awful But Ron, being the best father in the entire world, would wake up early to drive around the city and take down the signs to make sure that his daughter wouldn't see them on her way to school in the morning. So the Gillespie's were obviously horrified and scared for their family safety. So they decided to tell some of their family members about what was going on. They told Ron's sister, Karen, and her husband, Paul Freshour. And they told them about the letters and the four of them kind of talked about who they think the letter writer might be. Yeah. And they came up with a name. David Longberry. This guy, David Longberry, was also a bus driver for the West Falls School District who 
apparently had the hots for Mary at one point, and okay. he tried to like make a pass at her, but she rejected him obviously because she's married. Yeah, and so she thought that he may may have been upset and trying to get his revenge somehow by writing these letters to them and everyone in Circleville. And it kind of made sense. Like, he was bitter, he wanted revenge, and he could have easily known Mary's bus number and route. So the group made a plan to send David Longberry a couple letters and try to get him to stop doing this crazy fucked up shit. Yeah. Paul Freshour, who's Mary's brother-in-law, was the one to write the letters Basically telling David that they knew that the letter writer was him and they warned him to stop. Basically, like, the jig is up, pal. Like, Yeah, you're busted. You're busted. And this actually works just for a couple weeks until August 19th, 1977. During this time, Mary went on a vacation to Florida with her sister-in-law, Karen, to get away from the mess in Circleville. Mind you, we started, like, March of 1977. So these letters have been going on since March. We're in August now. Oh, okay. It's yeah. been going on, like, pretty much this whole time, except for, like, the few weeks after they sent David Longberry this letter. Yeah. So Mary's on vacation in Florida, and Ron is home with the kids, when suddenly the home phone rings. It's around 10 p.m., and Ron's daughter can hear him yelling at the other person on the line from the other room. When he hangs up, Ron tells his kids that he's going to go confront the man who's been sending letters and harassing the family. Ron grabs his 22 caliber revolver and left in his 1971 Ford pickup truck. He ain't playing. No. No. He said, I'm getting this motherfucker. No one really knows what happened to Ron after he left his house. But around 50 minutes later, Ron's truck is found totaled less than 10 miles from his home. Aww. Ron was inside the truck, but he was in bad shape, and he was identified by Sheriff Radcliffe, who already knew the Gillespies because of their report about the letters, Yeah, and he was rushed to the hospital, and unfortunately, Ron was declared dead on arrival. No. Yeah. Apparently, Ron's truck was going very fast when he missed a right turn, and that's when he lost control and traveled 36 feet hit a tree, and bounced back seven feet. Ron was not wearing a seatbelt, and a toxicology report found that his blood alcohol concentration was 0.16, which is double the legal limit in Ohio. This was, like, incredibly weird because Ron was not known as a heavy drinker or drinker at all, for that matter. He barely drank anything. And his daughter told police that her father didn't seem in the least bit under the influence when he left the house that night. Like, he was fine. He was on the phone. He, like, gave her a kiss goodbye. And she was like, he's cool. He's fine. Yeah. Plus, Ron had driven this road so often. Like, he knew it very well. He knew that the right turn was coming up. There was literally no reason for him to miss the right-hand turn. That's so tragic. Isn't it? It's so horrible. Like, he had a wife and kids. Yeah, okay. So it's not like he was just cruising in a part of town he wasn't as familiar with. Like, it was a route he took. Yeah, he was 10 miles from his home. He was familiar with this area. It's just so horrible. He's so sad. Isn't it? Yeah. 
So Sheriff Radcliffe went to the Gillespie home and notified the family, and they were just in complete shock. Yeah. Especially when they found out about the gun that Ron had brought with him. There was one spent round inside of the chamber. So people kind of jumped to conclusions about this case and basically were saying that this meant that this round had to have been fired between the time that Ron left that night and the time he died. But even though the sheriff thought that Ron's death was mysterious, he couldn't prove that the gun was fired that night, just that the gun was fired at some point in general. Yeah, since it was loaded. Yeah, it was loaded, except there was one spent round. And I've seen other reports being like, there was a shell casing at the scene. There was like, and I'm like, I I couldn't corroborate. I wonder, I mean, it is odd that just one, like, that just one was missing. Because you don't know why he owned, and I'm not familiar with guns, so I don't know what kind of gun this is. If this is the kind of gun you have in your household for protection. Or Let me if look it's it like, up, like what it if looks he was like. a hunter or like a recreational like kind of shooter. But then if he was recreationally shooting or hunting, why would he just sh- use one bullet? Right. Of it seems kind of odd, but I also don't know guns okay, at all. So this is like a 22 revolver, like what he has. Okay. So it, it's not really like for hunting. It doesn't look no, like no, definitely not hunting. So I I truly don't know why one bullet was missing. But I could not corroborate that there was a sh- like shell casing or anything at the yeah. scene. But a lot of people were trying to be like, he he shot between the time that he left and the time that he died. But there's no way to no, you can't tell make that. that leap. That's yeah. just a really big conclusion to draw. Isn't it? It's only possible. but It's possible, but it's not able to be proven. Paul Freshour told Unsolved Mysteries that the sheriff originally thought that Paul's death involved foul play. But the next time that the sheriff spoke to Paul, he said that foul play was not involved because the suspect passed a polygraph. Who is the suspect, you may be asking yourself? I have no idea and no one else knows. Also, someone can still still be a suspect even if they pass. Exactly. Like, you can still name them a suspect. Right. You just will say, hey, they also passed a polygraph. Right. In my opinion. But I just think this is so strange because the sheriff originally told Paul, like, this is weird. Yeah. I don't know. Like, this is a weird death. Like, there's no reason why this would have happened. And they had a suspect? They say that they had a suspect, according to Paul. But nobody knows who this was. No one knows what the T is about this random suspect that they just let go because he passed a polygraph? Yeah, that's odd. I have no idea. But because they couldn't find any other evidence, the sheriff ruled Ron's death an accident. And that's when the letters started again. This time, the letters start accusing Pickaway County Sheriff Radcliffe of covering up Ron's potential murder and that Mary and Gordon were the ones that killed him. Oh my gosh. Right? She was in Florida. She wasn't even there. I mean, not that she still couldn't have been behind it, but... Yeah, but she she wasn't present. She was in a different state. But after refusing to change Ron's cause of death from accident to homicide, the letters stopped again. This time for a couple years. Huh. 
until the fall of 1979 when Mary gets another letter. This letter tells Mary that she should try to get Gordon to leave the school district and run away with him. Why do you think this? This is because Mary, around this time, actually admitted to being in a fling with Gordon Ramsay. Not Ramsay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's about to be a whole different case. Gordon Massey. <laughs> What's Wait, that? so there was something there was going fling, on between them. But... Mary says that this only happened after Ron passed away and Gordon had filed for a divorce from his wife. Well, she, that's fucking weird. Right? She's I'm like, sorry, what? She's, she's like, no, like we were like kind of together, but only after our, our spouses were- It was only were, after all the rumors started yeah. and after my husband died and after he, he separated from his wife. Right? And then we had a little fling. Right? Like, I would what? not ever want to be associated with, with that this person. guy, right? With all those rumors happening. Like, like, anyone else? <laughs> Wait, y'all are messy. I, I don't, don't know. I don't even know if there there was an affair or not, so I'm clueless, but. I mean, we'll never know oh, okay. if they were together <laughs> pre-letters. But they were definitely odd. together at one point. She, had, she admitted it. so weird. <laughs> what? She said that the letters made them closer because they could kind of bond over okay. the mutual trauma. Yes. So I guess I, I understand kinda... like maybe some sort of relationship or friendship forming, like where they're able to talk right. about it. Right. Like I'm sure they would probably what? get together and brainstorm. But like I can't imagine like you're with this guy and you're both being like exposed in the public. Like your entire town is getting letters sent to you, sent to them about you. I would be getting the hell out of Circleville too. And you're you're into you're together, right? And you're looking at the letters, and you just want to start some. Yeah, the like one thing there would not be enough to keep me there. One thing's gonna lead to another when you're trying to figure out who's got a vendetta against you. Yeah, like y'all are making out while you're trying to figure out a mystery. Oh my gosh, why isn't this a TV show? This should be a TV show, honestly. Yes. Also, just set in the 60s and 70s it would be a vibe yes it would be a vibe circleville small town rural vibe like yes netflix hit us Uh, up yes netflix hit us up yes you're welcome netflix (laughs) like i said the letters started again and this time they're coming to the gillespie household addressed to ron and mary's daughter like gross Uh. ones Do you know how old she was at this point? At this point, she was like 12 or 13. Okay. And apparently, they were like gross. I couldn't find any actual letters from like what this was being described. But Miss Crime Junkie herself was like, these are disgusting. Like, they're disgusting. I don't know what they're talking about, but I can only imagine. Yeah, I don't want to It's inappropriate. That's fucked. I don't need to say it. Like, that's we don't need to talk about that. Fast forward to 1982, and the letters kept coming this whole time. We're in 1979, 1982 now. The letters just keep coming. But Paul and Karen, fresh hour, were now getting a divorce. And Mary let Karen stay in a trailer on her property. At this time, everyone just kind of got used to the letters. Like, they just kept coming, but everyone was just like, oh, well, 
Like, this has been going on for, like, since 1977. It's already 1982. Like, what the hell are we going to do? No, true. No, like, nothing's happened yet. Yeah. You know, like, no one's getting hurt. Ron passed away. But, you know, it was ruled an accident. We can't prove that this letter writer had anything to do with it. So, we're just yeah. going to let it happen, I guess. Near Christmas in 1982, Mary receives a Christmas card with this letter on the back. Just tell your daughter we are going to post some signs about her next year at the bus stops. Since you've caused this by what you've done to Mrs. Massey and all knows it, how will you face her? But your type have no consciences, consciences, or you wouldn't have hurt Mrs. Massey behind her back. That is so creepy. Yeah. On the back of a Christmas card. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It is kind of tea, though, that they're talking about how she hurt Mrs. Massey. And I know, that's yeah. That's the only person that, that she's too. hurt. Yes. That's kind of it interesting. Seems it's interesting. Right. That they're so, like, the writers seemingly taking it pretty personally, but then they're also bringing this, the name of who would have been hurt the most by it. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that, that they didn't, but the letter writer really didn't give that much of a fuck about Ron, though. Because he would have been hurt, too. Like, he was being cheated on, but allegedly. No, yeah. And I'm trying to remember what was, what did he say after the next letter after Ron died? Oh, after Ron died, he was like, Mary and Gordon, y'all should run away together. Right. I don't know. But I guess he did tell Ron to kill both of them. Maybe he thought he would. Yeah, I don't know. Are they just trying to stir the pot here? I mean, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like he's really just trying to spill everyone's tea. Like, he's yeah. trying to be TMZ before TMZ was a thing. <laughs> he's trying to be Perez Hilton. So he sends her this Christmas card telling her that signs are going to be put up. And sure enough, on Monday, February 7th, 1983, Mary sees these signs again along her bus route, accusing her and Gordon of an affair and a sexual relationship between Mary's daughter and Gordon. Oh. Also, just how long this is going on for? Like, what the fuck? Literally, like, do you have a job? Do you? Yeah, do you literally just not have anything you'd rather be doing with your life? Like, you have to get up, like, extra early to put these signs out. Like, you have to make it, the signs? Are you really that committed? They're committed. My hand would be hurting after writing five letters. I'd be like, I gotta... Oh, right, this, the, the jig carpal is up. tunnel. Yeah, I'd get carpal <laughs> tunnel after writing this many letters. So Mary gets out to take down these signs when she sees one that's a little different. It's mounted on a fence post at eye level and it has a cardboard box attached to a two by four on the fence post. And there's strings coming out of this box. She just, she's on her bus route right now, right? There's no kids on the bus, but she's about to head to like pick some up. Oh wait, what's in this box? Something's in this box. (laughs) I can't remember. So she brings the entire thing just onto her bus, right? She, like, rips the whole thing off, like, yeah. the box, the two-by-four, the the f- strings, everything. And she puts it on her bus, and she finishes her usual bus route for the day. And when she gets home, she inspects it, and she tries to get the box open, but it's, like, glued shut. It's, like, oh. gorilla glued shut, right? Okay. So she tries and tries and tries, and she pries it open, and she finally gets it open. And she finds out there's a 25 caliber handgun inside the box. Not only was there a gun, but the strings that were strict 
that were sticking out the back of the box uh-huh. were tied around the trigger of the gun, making a booby trap. Right, it was a booby trap. <laughs> I was like, what's in it? Is it a human body part? That's literally what I thought. I was like, there's going to be like a thumb in this box. It was so, an eyeball. Okay. It was a booby trap. It I remember that. It was a booby trap. <laughs> that is when it hits Mary that this gun was supposed to go off and shoot her the second she took the sign off the fence post. Oh, true. Yeah, no, that's fucked. Like, it was supposed to shoot her. Yeah. Because she knew that she was- That was attempted murder. Yes. Mary immediately took this booby trap to Sheriff Radcliffe's office, probably scared out of her freaking mind that she almost got fucking murdered. No, I'd be getting the hell out of Circleville. I don't know why they haven't moved out of Circleville yet. Yeah. What's so important there? Honestly, yeah. Like, what? Why don't you just move? Go anywhere else. Like, you don't need to stay there. The pumpkin festival is not that deep. It's not that important. It is. I guess so. This was scary, but it was kind of good because this is the first piece of evidence that they could, like, trace. Because none of the other ones had return addresses. They were all just postmarked for Columbus. So that could be literally anywhere. So this is the first piece of evidence that could be traced. So the police got to work trying to identify who owned the gun. Whoever put the booby trap there tried to file the serial number off of the gun, but they were like, mm, we're smarter than that. <laughs> so they gave it to this lab and they ran some tests and they were able to recover the entire serial number. Yes. And you'll never guess who the gun belonged to. I don't know. Mary's former brother-in-law, Paul Freshour. Paul? The one who wrote the notes to David Longberry to tell him to stop. When they all got together, Mary, Ron, and Karen, and Paul, and they all were like, all right, let's figure out who did it. Paul was like, I'll write the letter to David. Paul Freshour's gun was in the booby trap. Oh, that's tea. Isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, everyone is shook. Like, why? Paul and Karen were divorced now. Yeah. But the letters were still coming to the Gillespie's, like, way before. Like, but, like Paul and Karen were together. Yeah, they were a family. Exactly. So, police asked Mary about this, and she was shook to the floor. She was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And she told them that Karen actually made a passing comment to her about Paul being the letter writer. Wait, who made the comment? Karen. Okay. Paul's ex-wife. <gasps> but Mary really didn't give it a thought because it just didn't make sense. Like, there when? was no Back reason. Then? Yeah. Karen was like, hey, it could be my husband. Yeah. What the like, fuck? Like, what, girl? How does that make sense? Like, what? And you she need an like, explanation for that. <laughs> right. So Mary was like, no, girl, it ain't her. It's not him. No, it's not your husband, my brother-in-law. Yeah, what? That's crazy talk, isn't it? Why would you think that? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. This is a tone of salty. So the police went to Karen and asked her about the situation. And she said that while her and Paul together, she found some letters in her home that looked like the ones being sent from the mysterious letter writer. No, yeah, and then... Well, I'd be looking at his handwriting, Paul's handwriting. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Allegedly, Karen found one of these letters clogging her toilet in her house. 
Someone tried to flush it down the toilet. Flush paper down the toilet. <laughs> burn it. Yeah, burn it. Fire. Oh, the answer to all these questions is arson. Yes. <laughs> don't you want to set fire to everything? Come on, burn the paper. Burn it, Why are you flushing it? <laughs> uh, missed opportunity. <laughs> set fire to some evidence. Right. Karen said that Paul didn't like Mary much after Ron died because of her affair with Gordon Massey. But Mary said this didn't happen until Ron died, until after Ron died. And again, the letter started way before this. Yeah. So how would he have known that? If they even were, because she's Mary's saying that her and Gordon Mary's, didn't get together. Mary and Gordon have yeah, yeah always didn't get together. stayed by... They weren't together until yeah, after, until Ron, after died. Ron died. So how would he know? Karen also made some startling accusations about Paul, saying that he was very manipulative and abusive during their marriage. Mm. She'd actually gone to the police about one instance, and they took photos of her injuries, and this is when they filed for divorce. Oh. So it's on file yeah. that Paul is a dick. Ew. Police also went to Ron's place of work, and found out that he was not working on the day that Mary found the booby trap. Oh my gosh. T. And on February 25th, 1983, Sheriff Radcliffe goes to Paul's house to bring him in for questioning. Yeah. And Paul was asked about the gun, and he denied any involvement from the start. Absolutely not. I'm innocent. I don't know anything about anything. I just know that the letters were being written because Mary and Ron told me. He said that the gun was stolen a cup from him a couple weeks back. And then later he said, quote, I admitted the gun was mine, but I hadn't seen it for a long time. I had no reason to check up on it or anything. And I don't know when it had come up missing. I really don't know what happened to it. And I told them that. And that's the truth. And that's how it was. <laughs> like what, girl? Like. I don't know. If I owned a gun, I'd really want to know where it was at all times. (laughs) I'd be pretty. Well, here's the tea is that someone that Ron worked with, it was actually his gun, but he sold it to Ron. Why would you not? Like, why would you not? I'm sorry. Like, you had been gone a long time, so you knew it was missing. Why didn't you report it missing? Right. I heard a lot of different accounts. He's been saying some shit. He said it was stolen to him a couple weeks back. He never even knew that it was stolen. He was on vacation when it was stolen. Like, a bunch of shit. I don't know. Dick. I don't like you. I don't like him either. Either way, I don't don't care. He was an abuser. Yeah, I don't care. You're an abuser. Yeah. Whatever you gotta say. Paul was then given a polygraph test, which he failed. Which, eh, well, you know, whatever. He was then asked to take a handwriting test. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But the way that this handwriting test was conducted was weird. Paul says that the sheriff would hand him a letter and ask him to, like, copy it, to write it as close to the handwriting as he could. And Paul said, quote, I did it because I knew I wasn't responsible for the letters. (laughs) That just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. So innocent. (laughs) That is Uh, not something I would agree to do. No, (laughs) Obviously, this is not how handwriting analysis is supposed to work. No. 
That doesn't make any fucking sense. No. If you give somebody something to copy down, they're going to try to copy it like as close yes. as possible. Yeah. How the hell are you supposed to know? And if that's more of like a skill set. Like right? how close they get to it. Some people are really good with that kind of coordination and like spatial or just awareness, visual awareness, whatever. I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. But <laughs> some people would be really good at that and some people would suck. <laughs> right? So. And if he was the person, he would try to make it look like he wasn't good at right? it. Right? So like this doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes. When you do a handwriting analysis, words and phrases should be dictated to the person that is writing the sample like yeah. it, sh- it should be said yes and paul should have just been asked to write down what was being said they should have also just taken previous samples yeah in and other in whatever and compared it right and they did end up doing this they did end up doing that later yeah but weird I'll, I'll get there please come the on way, do yeah better. this is That's like not weird paul had some samples that he wrote like be dictated to him during this handwriting analysis but i just thought this whole thing was just weird like no, that's bizarre yeah. like why would you do that like that like just if doesn't make this sense. was ever something to go to court over like that would just all be thrown out because it wouldn't be well what's the words well you know it would just have to be thrown out because it wasn't done right well spoiler alert he did okay. go to the court oh okay. he's about to go to court <laughs> and they did not let those pieces of evidence in except for the ones that were being dictated to him yes so they did good on that part yeah okay police searched paul's house to see if they could find any evidence of this booby trap being made like anything that was involved in the making of the booby trap if that was in his house somewhere and they didn't find anything but still paul was arrested and charged with attempted murder and placed on a fifty thousand dollar cash bond I just feel like Paul isn't that bright and they would have found evidence if he actually did it. But I don't know. I just have no idea why he would have done it in the first place. Yeah. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. But the realty is that while Paul is in jail awaiting trial, the letters are still being sent. Oh. While he is in jail. And seemingly they're being sent to every living soul in Circleville. Everyone needs to know the tea, apparently. He better just start a newsletter. Like, well, why didn't he just start a newspaper? <laughs> Paul Chronicle. The Chronicle They should have just Paul. given him his own, his own little section in the newspaper. <laughs> he should have done like a public broadcast television, you know? Yeah, a gossip column. Yeah. <laughs> Paul's tea. Paul's tea. <laughs> Paul tried to get his trial relocated. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. How are you supposed to what get an impartial jury when the whole town is getting letters that are no. spilling your tea? Yeah. It needed to be out of Ohio but at that it point. Was denied. Oh. They still made him do a trial in Circle Bell. Okay. Who the fuck is no. going to be on this? Tr- this is a small town, too. Yeah. It's a small town, uh. and businesses were getting letters. Yeah citizens oh my god everyone literally all everybody was talking about for this decade this was the tea of the time the 48 hours episode interviewed like citizens of circleville like that lived there during that time and they all were like that was the tea of the time girl oh my god everyone knew everyone's tea like it was crazy wow i know 
Paul pled not guilty to attempted murder, and his trial proceeded on October 24th, 1983. Whoa. I know. It lasted five days, and he technically wasn't charged with writing the letters, only with making and setting up the booby trap, but still a lot of the letters were used against him in court. It made him look really bad. Yeah. And a head-writing expert on the stand said that they believed that the letters were written by Paul. It also didn't really look good that Paul wasn't at work on the day that the booby trap was set. Even though he had a pretty solid alibi for most of that day, he said that he was doing work around the house with a friend and a neighbor stopped by his house for a few minutes and I guess they were able to corroborate that. But add in the fact that the gun used in the booby trap belonged to him, things were not I mean, looking pretty good for Paul. And Paul would have had to have been working with someone. Like, it would have had to have been multiple people doing this. That is a big theory that I'll get into. I wonder what Mary thought. Yeah, I don't know what Mary thought. She hasn't really spoken about this. I mean, what what do you, like, who knows what she thought? She may have not even known what to think. Right. I mean, I but, wouldn't. I'd be shook for the rest of my life. Yeah, no. Yeah. Apparently, Paul's palm prints, that's a tongue twister right there, (laughs) were found on a bunch of letters that were delivered after he was arrested. I don't think this was brought up in court or anything, so Um, I don't know the tea about that situation, but I don't don't know what to think about that. But that does not look very good for Mr. Paul Fresh. No, it does not. Paul did not end up testifying at his trial, so he didn't say shit about the situation. And after less than three hours, the jury had a oh, verdict. Fast. Mm-hmm. They found Paul guilty of attempted murder, and he's sentenced oh to gosh. seven to twenty-five years in prison. Uh, I'm not really bothered either way. <laughs> he's an abuser. He's so. an abuser. Uh, I just don't know what to think, though. I don't know. Right. Once Paul was in prison, you would assume that the letters that were terrorizing Circleville would be stopped. Yeah. Right? Yes. No, sir. While Paul is in prison, the letters are still being sent to people in Circleville. They even put Paul in solitary confinement, and the letters were still being sent. They literally monitored his mail didn't even let him have mail for a little bit. They stopped all of his mail coming in and out, and the letters were still being sent. Oh, solid, solitary confinement. I can't talk. Solitary confinement? Yeah. Would suck. That would suck. Actually, maybe for like a day, I think it would be kind of slay. I mean, do you just do you have books? I don't think no. I don't think you get anything you when literally you're in there. You really don't get anything. Yeah, you're just yeah, in the room. Suck. I mean, yeah, that would suck if you're there for like a month. But they really just did it to, yeah, figure sure. out that he wasn't yeah. the one doing it. And the letters were still being postmarked for Columbus, even though Paul was in prison 200 miles away in Lima. Okay, Glee. <laughs> Come on, Lima Heights. <laughs> Lima is on the whole opposite side of Ohio that I lived. It's like on the west side. I oh, lived okay. on the east side. Huh. In 1990, Paul became eligible for parole, but his request was denied, mostly because the letters were still being sent. But that means he didn't send the letters. Right? How does that make sense? (laughs) He was in solitary confinement. Right? 
Paul even got a letter sent to himself in prison. Oh, that's fucked. Right? <laughs> and it said, now when are you going to believe that you aren't getting out of there? I told you two years ago. When we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all? Whoa. Yeah. Who is this person? So, was Paul behind the letters all along? They could have even had Paul in on it at one point, but then they took over. Right? Or they, like... But then I feel like Paul would have said something because he just seems like the type to just run his to mouth. To just say some shit? Yeah. Or, like, just say something in the letters that would expose him on accident, you know? Yeah, he's not... He doesn't come across as a bright person, nor does he come off of, as someone who would keep it like he would want to say something or he would have to talk right. about it he's in fucking prison and he has nothing to lose well paul's daughter selena oh. believes that her dad was definitely involved okay because she found letters really similar to those being sent oh that's true i keep all around that. her house she said that once her dad went to jail it was her older sister that kept sending the letters. So she's she's saying that Paul had an accomplice and it was his daughter? Karen and Paul's daughter. Yeah. I don't know. Why though? What's the motive? Right? Selena says that Paul and Ron were not actually really good friends because Paul was abusive. So Ron was like, bro, you're beating my sister up. You're a fucking asshole. So basically, she's saying there was friction between Paul and Ron. So Paul wanted to ruin the Gillespie's oh, lives. My... There's no way to what confirm if, that that's what true. What if but... that was it? And then Paul somehow got Ron drunk and killed. Right. And then was going to turn around and murder Mary. Right. There's no way to confirm if it's true. But oh, that would be so That's fucked. insane. Yeah. Because I wonder, like. And I guess that would be the motive if you were abusing your wife. You wouldn't want that fucking crazy and Yeah, if you're awful. abusing your wife and you don't want anyone to know about it. If I mean, it just seems so elaborate for doesn't something. Doesn't it? Especially sending letters over the course of like till 1994. Bringing which I'll tell you. A child into it too, like saying the weird things that were said right. about Ron and Mary's child. Yeah. Oh, that's all weird and gross. Whoa. Yeah. So much. That's crazy, though, because if Ron knew... Because Ron's sister was Paul's wife, right? So yeah. Paul's... Like, Karen probably went to Ron and was like, hey, this is what's going on. Ron might have went to confront him. Wait, wait, wait. Biologically, Ron and Karen are brothers and sisters? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. That's why Mary is... Yeah. Paul's uh, yes. sister-in-law. <laughs> There's a lot of players in this game. Yeah. I should have made a flow chart. We'll make one for the gram. Yeah, I'll make a flow chart for the gram. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of see it. People who are abusers are fucking crazy anyway. No, they, yeah. Yes. I don't know. Later, journalist Martin Yant was reviewing the case files and found something pretty interesting that wasn't really reported on earlier. Mary Gillespie told the sheriff that one of the other bus drivers told her that she was driving on the same route that the booby trap was found on about 20 minutes before Mary found it. This other bus driver said that she saw a yellow El Camino parked by the intersection where the booby trap was found and a man standing there. 
looking like he was like peeing or something. Like he kind of like turned and like was looking down. Uh. The description of the man did not match Paul Freshour, and the police didn't even really follow up on this lead. What? Apparently, though, Karen's brother had a yellow El Camino. Karen's brother? I don't know. Karen and Ron had another sibling. I'm assuming that's it because Ron did not have a yellow El Camino. I think we'd know that. Yeah. I don't know what to make of this. That's a really interesting thing. I'm surprised that no one followed up on that. Yes. That's, yeah. In May of 1994, Paul was granted parole after spending 10 years in prison for attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. He still says to this day that he's innocent and he didn't have anything to do with anything. Also in 1994, the show Unsolved Mysteries was planning on filming an episode about the Circleville letters when they received a letter themselves. It said, Forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you El Sickos will pay. What a weird thing to say. Don't be coming after my sheriff. Yeah, like what the (laughs) hell? Coming after him how? For ruling an accident? An accident? What? Exposing him how? They still ended up releasing the episode. And after Paul was released from prison. First of all, can I just say, Paul is like in this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Like he's talking, they're interviewing him. And he acts like he's like the fucking like Jesus of the entire world. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. After Paul was released from prison, the letters just stopped. And that was... That was it. The letters were pretty much continuous from 1977 to 1994. And then after Paul was released from prison, they yet stopped. Makes you think, doesn't it? I don't know what to think. Will we ever actually know the identity of the Circleville writer? Was Ron's death an accident? Who made the booby trap? I don't know. There's a lot of theories. One was that it was Paul the whole time. Ron exposed him for being an abuser. And he was just trying to get back at them. I also heard it was Karen for some reason. Why she would want to do this, I don't know. It could be that mystery man with the yellow El Camino. It could be all these people taking turns over the years. Passing it off to each other. It could be... Paul and his daughters? Like, what? I personally... I almost think it's Paul and somebody else we don't know. Me too. Maybe the driver of the yellow Camino. Yeah. But I definitely think it's more than one person. Yes. Because there's absolutely no way that Paul was sending those from prison. Yeah, he like, could have written them There's no way. Time. And if the daughters, like the Fresh Hour daughters remember seeing the letters in the house the whole time maybe he was like prepping them and having someone else send them but the way the handwriting is i feel like it might have to be the same person over and over again i feel like one person was writing them but he was just handing them off to other people to send out no yeah i don't know and the signs too like, who was making the signs and putting them everywhere? How do you have the time to send thousands of letters? Small, how could 
there not have been a witness to that too? That just seems so, I mean, I guess in the middle of the night, it's pretty quiet or early in the morning, but still, I feel like it could have gotten caught. Right? It doesn't make sense. I don't understand. And it's still unsolved. We still don't know who wrote the Circleville letters. We have no idea. Because Paul Freshour technically went to jail for attempted murder, not for writing the letters. So we still don't know. Damn, that was T. Isn't it T? That's wild. And that's the case of the Circleville letters. There's no conclusion whatsoever. Just a lot of drama. Just a lot of tea. An affair. Kind of, maybe. We don't know for facts. And no yeah, one, that just seems so sus. That is like suspicious. That's just though. such a random, like, why the super in, uh, intendant? <laughs> why him? Why Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, why would it be Gordon Ramsay? <laughs> I can't uh, believe I said that. Yeah. I need to keep that in. Yes, you do. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. And then they marry him. I mean, whatever you do, you. you're both single adults. You can do whatever you want right. um, at that point. But I'm like, that's just so odd. <laughs> do you have a theory? Um, I think somebody smarter than Paul was in on it. Somebody smarter than just, Paul. Huh? Maybe I don't know. He, I mean, he I only know so bright. much about who Paul is. I just don't think of him as a bright human being. They're, I'm just like, how could he do it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was very bright either. Like, because uh, I don't know. You just wouldn't tell investigators. I don't know where the gun was. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. I no reason to look for it. I don't know. That's just how it is. Yeah, I feel like, like a person writing these letters had to have been a little more well maybe not more calculated just more i don't know just the fact that there's somebody else involved and they haven't been caught tells me that they have to be smarter yeah i agree and i just don't think it was his daughters i don't know that uh, or else why would they have come forward and said hey we found letters in our house too right didn't I don't, they yeah according to crime junkie I don't know. It doesn't make any sense because if their dad was an asshole, why would you want to help him? Yeah. Like that doesn't add up to me. No. Yeah. If your dad was abusing your mom, why would you want to help him send these letters out to everyone? But yeah. I, I, also, I don't know why it was like the focus on Mary and Gordon. Cause like, do you know how many other people were probably having affairs in that small town? Probably. No, much. Yeah. <laughs> Like who, well, yeah, unless, like, Mary knew something about Paul abusing Karen and he wanted to start T to, like, deflect from that. But still, what? Right? <laughs> I don't know. I definitely think Paul was involved. I mean, it was his freaking wait, wait, wait. gun. Didn't Paul have an alibi? Did Paul have an alibi for that day? Yes, but... It's like, it's like not super great. He said that he was helping a neighbor with chores and that, or helping a friend with chores and another neighbor came over to his house. You see, yeah, That's I don't know. That's flimsy to me. I know, but then it makes you wonder, did the police even check it out? Probably not. Because they probably thought it was Paul. 
I don't know if you'd need to request off the whole day to go put a booby trap up in the morning. Right. So, like, he could have, like, not gone to work that day, like, put the booby trap up there, like, early in the morning, and then just spent his normal day doing his normal thing. So, like, yeah, he could have an alibi for the day, but that doesn't mean, still doesn't mean that he didn't put it there. I mean, it was his freaking gun in the goddamn box. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, that's interesting. Someone on Reddit says, I think it became a thing where people saw their chance to air dirty laundry not connected to the original writer slash writers. That's By interesting. Gideas. That's what Gideas said on Unresolved Mysteries on the thread uh, for this case. Huh. Yeah. No. I mean, that's possible. Other people could have. But then, I don't know. I don't know. The writing would have have to have been the same. Yeah. Like, the, the kind of vernacular would have to be the same. Like Yeah, I wonder, really, if experts, like, true experts have studied. You know, that's a good question. I don't know if experts have looked through all of the letters and determined that it was all the same person. But they looked and they saw Paul's handwriting from, like, what was dictated to him and, like, past, like, work shit that he just randomly wrote down. And said that his handwriting is very similar to the letters. This Reddit post says that at one point, Sheriff Radcliffe had estimated there was a total of 20,000 letters written to people in the county. 20,000? Yeah. Jeez. I said thousands. Even just thousands. Thousands is a lot. lot. Carpal tunnel. That is, like, kind of interesting, though, to think about, that maybe people in the town just started... I mean, you can mimic people's handwriting. Yeah. I can do it. But who would you even know who to send it to? Like, why would you... That's Like, wild. that's the thing, though. It's, like, if you knew that something was going on, like, why would... Like, who would you even send it to? Like, you'd write it in a letter and then send it to what? Like... The school board? Like, why? Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Usually, I feel like... But then no one would come forward later to be like, yeah, I wrote a letter that was kind of fucked up, but I wasn't them. Exactly, yeah. But then there's the fear of being, like... Caught caught as the letter writer. Or just caught as somebody who got themselves involved. That's pretty fucked up, too. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, like, no one wants to tell on themselves, but there were more people involved, but then... Someone started it. I don't know. Right? Someone started it one day. And the signs, like, about their daughter, too. Like, I... Yeah, like, that, that's, that's so messed That's crossing a line. You know what I mean? And I just wonder about Ron, if it truly was just an accident. Right? He, which is very tragic. That doesn't but make any sense. He yeah, drove he it all the time. Why he was he so drunk? Yeah. Or... And he hadn't really... To his daughter's knowledge, she wasn't drunk when he left. Maybe he went with Ron to Paul. Maybe Paul went with Ron. Yeah. To like try to talk it out, discuss it. They went to a bar, maybe. Like, or Ron- even not that. Like, even if Ron didn't suspect Paul, he could have gone to Paul that night and been like, "Hey, let's get to the bottom of this." And then yeah. they drank. But that's very just. Who knows? Who the yeah. hell knows if that's what happened. It just is so weird. Before Unsolved Mysteries even filmed their episode on Circleville, they got the letter saying to not do it. Like, how would you know? I'm looking at various letters, and some of them look 
similar. Like they could be the same. But some of them do look different. But some do look totally different. But they're all like very, like they're purposely, obviously not the person's real handwriting. They're writing like that on purpose to give that sense of like anonymity, 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 being anonymous. <laughs> this is Paul. Paul. Fuck ass. That looking. is not who I thought Paul would look like. Yeah, he looks like that. <laughs> I pictured him totally different. <laughs> yeah, he looks like that. But the, I felt like I was doing too many sad cases. So this one's a little bit more lighthearted. There was still definitely someone that died, unfortunately, which is so tragic and sad. You know, yes. wife and kids. But no one was murdered as far as we might know. Just an attempted murder. Just an attempted murder. And a mysterious accident. Uh, what a night. Yeah. That is a mystery. That is a mystery. You told me. You're like, I'm covering this case. It's like, not sad. It's a mystery. Yeah, it's more yeah, of a mystery right. than anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just want to know, like, who had the fucking time to write 20,000 letters? Well, yeah, that's why there's no way it was just one person. It, yeah, there's other no people got way. In on it, and then it may have been started by one person, one or two people. Yeah, but there's Even just then, no way. Wow. There's no way it was just one person. Yeah, he no, would... people were airing out their dirty laundry in these 20,000 <laughs> yeah. letters. There's no way. A town that small, I bet, I bet there were letters in there accusing other people of cheating on their wives and husbands. There's probably a whole bunch of tea. Well, yeah, that was that. Ah. <laughs> no, that was fun. That was some good Thanks. tea. I just wish I had a... a a stronger theory, but then again, I guess that's why it's a mystery. It is a mystery. Like, I, there's not even any really good theories. No, like, there's nothing that really like holds weight to me because it's all speculative. Like, there's really no proof of anything. Netflix, get on this. Get on shit. this. I need write a good this ass show. ending too. Yeah, write a good ending, like a twist ass ending. Like it was like. It was, it was it was actually it was the actually Massey's wife the whole time and there really right. was an affair. That's what they would do. <laughs> that is what they would do. I really thought there'd be a thumb in the box though, but it was a booby trap. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I was like, somebody's thumb is in it. It was a booby trap. Yeah. Booby trap is such a strange word. It is. I wonder why is it called why? that? Sarah, look up why is it called a booby trap? It probably was someone's name, I bet. Marcus Booby. Oh, in the late 17th century, hungry sailors would set a trap for a seabird known as a booby. Oh. So oh. it was literally a trap for a booby. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I forgot that there were birds called boobies. I had no idea. Thank oh, you, really? Google. <laughs> well, I hope you liked this episode. I'll be posting a lot of media on our social media specifically on instagram where you can see all the pictures of everyone and everything and all the letters and the booby trap and all the crazy shit that happened in this case go follow us please at strange and sinister on pretty much everything true and let us know if you have any case suggestions I really had no fucking clue what I wanted to talk about today. 
Yeah, what was I going to say? Okay, so next week, we uh, are thinking of doing another Strange and Unscripted. Yeah. So if you have any things you want us to answer or talk about, any topics or, you know, Q&A type of things, uh, throw it at us. Yeah, let us know because I think we're going to make this a regular thing, like every third Thursday. Yeah. Make it a Strange and Unscripted night. Yeah. And just have fun. So it could be like Q&A stuff. It can be like just any topics that you want us to talk about. Yeah. We could even like find random topics to kind of delve deeper into in the episode. But it's going to be very unscripted. We're definitely not going to uh, put a lot of editing or like preparation to it. Because yeah, we want no. it to be a little more off the cuff the yeah there you go say. off the cuff <laughs> uh so yeah and then after that uh my next episode i'm so excited um uh, it's a lot though this case i'm i'm working on right now so yeah. i need the extra time i'm glad we're doing this uh strange and unscripted thing because the case i'm tackling is fucking huge <laughs> oh i'm excited well we'll catch you on the flippity dip stay spooky stay safe We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Don't write letters. No. Don't accuse people of cheating on their spouses unless they did it.